TFA fam, welcome your ears back to the TFA Dino Show. I am Robbie Jeffries here as always with my main squeeze, Tom Corson. Tom, it is rookie season. Hooey. I'm excited, not going to lie. Um, it's good to see you, Boo. Uh, I think we have something special planned for tonight because I couldn't just do it with you know me and you. It's just it's too special of an occasion. I feel like we had to have somebody else on. And who else better than Devi Matt? I believe he's got a new new name, uh, pretty face as normal. Matt Jackson is with us. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Happy to be on. Um, trying to go to the fact that Robbie just started that pod by saying "Hey ho." <laughs> Don't know what that was about. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I could come here to tip the scales. I know that I know we now got uh, two Eagles fans to one Cowboys fan. So. We officially win that. We officially win that battle. So I'm glad that we can we can kick Robbie out of here now. It will not be yeah, Robbie. Enough. Robbie likes to say "heyo" at the beginning of our shows. It gets him going. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it must be a cowboy thing. It's fine. It's all good. We we let it happen. Hey Tom, um, I appreciate you introing Matt. Um, if you would have read the show script that I made, yeah. it says intro, it which means Robbie does it because I had a beautiful intro for Matt. The Devi Darlin, the Sultan of the Senior Bowl, co-host of Devi Happy Hour and TFA's own Devi Authority. Find him at Devi Matt on Twitter. Matt Madjack Jackson. But you can take Tom's intro too if you want. You know, it's whatever. I mean, I'm gonna, it's I'm gonna fine. admit that, that was a whole lot more solid than Tom's intro. So kudos to you. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I panicked. I saw Matt's face. I looked into his eyes. I was like, I don't understand what's happening. There's two Eagles fans here. And you know what? You outdid me there, but that's probably going to be the only thing. So Typical on this podcast. Matt, we are pumped up for you to join us. For those of you who don't know Matt, which I feel like everybody does, uh, he is a Debbie mind of the fantasy community. community. He's always diving in on these rookies well before uh, they enter the college landscape. I think he normally is grinding the middle school tape. I think that's normally when you start. Is that correct? Um, I, I like to start once they hit uh, senior in high school because I'm not trying to break any laws. I think Tom's the middle school, the middle school genius here, but I, I, you can't quote me on that. I'm just, I'm that's pure speculation at this point. Listen, because I taught eighth grade and was scouting them, it doesn't mean anything. I moved to jail. I'm still scouting them, but they get out a little bit older. So whatever. I just like to find talent. Doesn't matter where it is. Sorry. And uh, getting this this pod back on tracks before we go way <laughs> off the rails and are not allowed to pod anymore. Yeah, we are pumped up to have Matt on. He is kind of the, the, one of the uh, good minds in uh, rookies, and we're coming up here on the 2021 rookie class. We are pumped up to talk about him. You know, he's a lot smarter than Tom or I, so we wanted to have some info here. But before we dive into that, you know, Tom, that we always have a question of the week. And I wanted to hear your guys' uh, Super Bowl predictions. So we're going to start with the guest first, Matt. Super Bowl coming up here on Sunday. You know, what? what is your prediction for the game? So, so to start off with, my mind says that, I mean, you've got to go Patrick Mahomes here and that just explosive high-power offense. I know Tampa Bay has got a great defense. They're susceptible in the, through the air and especially in the red zone. So I think that's going to play a factor in this game. I don't possibly see any way that Kansas City is going to lose this game. As long as Patrick Mahomes comes back healthy, that concussion isn't a problem or whatnot. Um, if there's one thing I've learned while watching football in my not so many years of being a football fan, though, it is to not bet against Tom Brady. So this is going to be an interesting game for sure. Um, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to call it at 30-24 Chiefs, but but I think that there, there's a possibility that Tom Brady can pull another one off because you don't bet against the GOAT. You know, last time I bet about against the GOAT, he lost, and uh, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So, Robbie, you don't really know what that's like. You were like a, a year and a half old, something like that, when Dallas won. It was it was a long time ago. You probably had, like, records and everything that they were, they were listening to, but it, it's perfectly fine. Um, I am going to bet against Tom Brady again, and I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Mahomes to win. Uh, if you paid attention, earlier in the season, Tyreek had 200 yards basically before the second quarter popped off. I don't know how they're going to stop him. Uh, the only thing that may slow them down is I think there's a 75% chance of thunderstorms now. 
Uh, they're not sure about what time it's going to be. So I really don't want that to happen. I want it to be a clean game with good weather just to see what kind of outcome we have. Because if it gets mucked up, I have no idea who has the advantage there. Um, but, I mean, good luck trying to <laughs> cover Tyreek or Kelsey while they're slipping and sliding all over the muddy field. So uh, I'm still going to go Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to go a little bit higher of a score um, than Matt, assuming it's not going to rain all game. And I'm going to say 37-24. I think it's going to be uh, KC by a bit. So I'll take KC by almost two touchdowns. So you're saying that if it rains, it's not gonna. You're not gonna see a good chunk of a playoff, Leonard. You're not. You're not calling a playoff. Oh, you, I think I, you you might, but I. All right, so playoff, Lenny. I don't know if it's actually really going to happen because of the cleat situation in the mud lately. Have you been paying attention to the games late in the season and playoffs and everything? People don't have like the right cleats, especially running backs. So I don't know how the running game is going to work there. And Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are still really good in the rain, so I'll take the QBs. Robbie, prediction? Dude, I think Matt hit it on the head. There's no way this Chiefs team should lose on paper, but there's this little guy who's been to 10 other Super Bowls going to his 11th that, I don't know, just maybe could shake everything up and, and lead his team to another win, so I'm I'm right there with you. I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. I had it 35-31, but with this weather, I'm going to drop it down just a little bit. I'm going to go 30 to 27. I'm going to stick with the Chiefs, but do not color me shocked if Tom Brady manages to get another victory. So we've had a I think right now it's a three and a half point spread, and you took basically Tampa to cover. Matt, I think you had KC to cover. But you had the under, and Robbie and I both had the over. So we like points. 54 is not going to cut it for this game. I believe the over is sitting at 56 and a half, 57. I don't know. We'll talk more about props on Prop Talk on Friday night. Brought to you by Prop Talk with Tom and Cody. Yep. All right. Now to the meat of the show. Got our Super Bowl. You know, there's just this big game on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Awesome. We don't care. We're here for one reason and one reason alone. That's to talk 2021 rookie QBs. And Matt, what I like to do when, when I talk to somebody who I haven't, you know, gone into depth with, is kind of figure out what their scouting process is. You know, what what do you look for? What do you see? How do you rank tier? However you do with these uh, rookies. So if you just want to kind of give us an overview of what you do when you turn on the tape or you dive in the analytics, kind of maybe an overview of what your process is. Yeah, so for me, QBs are super tricky. Um, running backs and wide receivers, you can get a pretty good idea of what their game is by watching a few games. For for quarterbacks, there, there's so much on their film that you're looking for that you can't grade. I mean, you're looking at the in, the intangibles. If we can even measure what those are, um, so qu- quarterbacks are super hard to to guess. I mean, you've got guys that are sitting in GM's offices that still can't get quarterbacks right. So I mean, it's it's a super hard position to get a hold on. Um, I'm looking for a few things when I'm watching quarterbacks, though. I like to sit down and watch. I pick out generally about five or six of their games, and I'm watching their best game. I'm watching their worst game. I'm watching some games where they might have had to play in some weather and had some different circumstances surrounding the game, and that that generally gives me a good idea of what I'm looking at. When it comes to QBs, there's a few things that I'm looking for. Um, I want to see how – first and foremost, I want to see your accuracy. I mean, for me, accuracy is the biggest thing to project success in the NFL. I mean, if you're not an accurate quarterback in college, you're not going to be an accurate quarterback in the NFL because those windows don't get any larger. They get smaller. Um, So I'm looking at that first and foremost. Um, I want to see your wind up. I want to make sure that you have a tight, a tight throwing motion. If you have a quick release, that's great. I'm not going to nick too hard on that, but I I like to see your release, where you release the ball at, where your windup's at. Um, Stepping into your throw. I want to see you step into your throw and drive the ball. And I want to make sure that you can be accurate all three levels of the field. Um, you know, if you're hitting the the five and six yard dink and dunks, and you, your your yards per pass average is around seven or eight yards per pass, you know that's not that's not very enticing to me. But if you can hit the uh, the back shoulder throws, the fade routes, I mean, the longer throws, that that's when I start to get intrigued. So driving the ball, tight wind up, and then I want to see how you control the line of scrimmage. You know, you're how you run your offense are, are the guys, you know, are you, do you, do you have a loud cadence? Are you, are you drawing guys off sides? Are you manipulating the defense with your eyes? Um, 
just just little stuff like that. It's just it's super hard to see, but I think it's so important. Just the the little things that you do in the game make make the biggest difference when it comes to the quarterback position. I am 100% with you. Quarterbacks are really tough. I think one of the things that uh, gets me caught up is like footwork. People always talk about, oh, he doesn't have bad footwork. And quarterbacks, <laughs> they get good coaching in the NFL and their footwork is completely different, uh, which changes their throwing motion, their anticipation, and everything else. The one thing you can't really teach, though, is arm strength, which is one of the traits that I look at. Now, if you are not accurate at all and you have a ton of arm strength, um, then it's concerning. But in recent years, we have guys like Josh Allen who didn't have a lot of accuracy coming out, but they had all the arm strength in the world. And the next thing you know, they get proper coaching in the NFL, and it gives you some hope for you know one of the guys we're going to talk about. Um, he's very polarizing, I think, Trey Lance, uh, because he's not as accurate as he could be. He improved his accuracy um, throughout his college campaign, but at the same time, he's got a ton of arm strength. I'm just... I'm not sure what to do with, with him yet, but we're going to get into there. Um, what are your thoughts on arm strength in general and, and how that like translates, you know, it, can you have a guy like Mac Jones, who is more of a game manager as opposed to Trey Lance be more successful and how do you even scout something like that and, and project it? Yeah. So for, so for me, I'm going to come out and say already that I, I think Mac Jones is more than just a game manager. And, and we'll get into that when we, when we hit on Mac Jones um, for, for him, for, for, for guys that have arm strength, I mean, I love to see you be able to push the ball down the field. That's really important to me. But like you said, you hit on it. If you're going to push the ball down the field, you need to be accurate and you need to be able to hit some of those throws. And one of the quarterbacks we're going to talk about tonight, I think is phenomenal at that. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about him. But, yeah, accuracy is big for me. Um, if you're not able to hit those throws in, col in college, like I said, you're not going to hit him in the NFL. And I think when you talk – you hit on Josh Allen, which I think is a fair point. And – I just want to come out and say that I think Josh Allen is the outlier. I don't think he's the norm for a lot of these situations. You don't see a typically you don't see a guy coming to the NFL that had accuracy issues and, and fix that after coaching. So I think while it's nice to see that work out for a guy like Josh Allen, we've seen his price and his stock increase dramatically. I think he's an outlier more than he is the norm. Yeah. And, I, I I agree with that. That's kind of why I brought it up because of that's going to be a recency bias thing where people are going to say, okay, he's not accurate in college, but we saw what happened with Josh Allen. So he can clearly be fixed where he's an outlier. So it's going to be an interesting year. I, I, I love a lot of these QBs. Most of them are, I think we're going to see five, possibly six quarterbacks go in the first round uh, this year. Is that number about right for you? Um, For me, I could see, there, I've got four as of right now that I can see solidly going in the first round. Five might sneak in, but I, but I think six, and I, th I assume the sixth one you're talking about is Florida's Kyle Trask. I don't think he slips into the first round. I think he's going to be more of a day two guy. But but for me, four with a possibility of five if the right team, say the Saints, falls in love with like a Mac Jones in the later first round. Right. It's funny because you always have – people always seem to have, uh, you know, three or four quarterbacks or two or three quarterbacks graded in the first and then an extra two go in just because of the fifth-year option rule and everything. So uh, teams trade in. Uh, yeah, just to give everybody a, an overview of kind of the prospects that we're looking at, you know, I think there's a consensus top five right now in the dynasty community, and that's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. And then you have kind of a, a next tier, I would say, with varying levels of where they might go and where people have them. But I'd say that in that next group is Kyle Trask, Jamie Newman, Sam Ellinger, Kellen Mond, and Ian, Brooke, Ian Book. So um, Matt might have some other names he'd like to throw in or, or take some names out. But I think that's just a, a good overview of who we might just gloss over some of those names, but who we're covering tonight. So Matt, Kind of right off the bat, what does your your ranking or tiers look like if you're able to just kind of pull that and kind of give everyone an overview of where you have these guys slotted? And then we'll start to get into the nitty gritty of some of these guys. Yeah, so for me, I think, and we've mentioned this on the Debbie Happy Hour several times, Um, I think tier rankings are, are so important when it comes to quarterbacks, but I mean, your entire rookie class as a whole. Because I mean, you can, you can have guys, and we can sit here and debate, if you want to talk about wide receivers, Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith is the hot topic right now. But then you look at the tiers, and they're both tier one wide receivers to me. So I think it's important to, to just base it off of tiers because that will help you group these guys together. And at the same time, your rookie draft, you'll be able to say, okay, am I going to take this tier two running back or am I going to take this tier one wide receiver or am I going to take this tier two quarterback or am I going to take 
this tier one something else. So I think those are super important. For me, tier one, it, it's a two-guy group, and it's not particularly close. It's Trevor Lawrence and it's Justin Fields, and it's been that way for years. Um, those were the two top guys coming into the prospective classes the freshman year of college, and it didn't change throughout all of college. These are those two top guys for me. Um, you know, a lot of people want to to knock Justin Fields for his his performance again in the national championship game. Um, that I, I'm not knocking Justin Fields. He he's still a phenomenal prospect. I think he is going to be a tier one guy, and he's a day one starter for me. And he has the upside of a QB one in, in fantasy football. I love Justin Fields. Um, people want to knock him and, and, and slide guys like Zach Wilson above him and the rookie rankings this year. And I think we should put a stop to that for sure because he, he he is instantly closer to to Trevor Lawrence and QB1 than he is Zach Wilson and QB3 to me. So those are the two top tier one guys for me. Yeah, no, I'm actually with you right there. I've been looking at a lot of the Zach Wilson hype, and I do like Zach Wilson a lot, but I think – Justin Fields with his mobility adds a different element, especially when we're talking about fantasy football. I think one of the things with Justin Fields that kind of is a knock is that he basically goes to his one progression and then he goes to his legs, which I don't necessarily see that a whole lot as far as being a problem because he's going to get better coaching. He's going to learn how to, how to read defenses a, a lot better and it's just getting more comfortable as far as being a starter. So I mean, he's got, what, two years as a starter since he transferred. Uh, he was sitting behind Jake Fromm at Georgia. So I think Justin Fields is amazing. So I think you're you're dead on there with that tier. Um, see anything different there? No, I've been I, – you, you you definitely hit the nail on the head. Um, my biggest issue with, with Justin Fields has been his blitz pickup and his processing of the defense. You know, he, he he's, he's a – He's the type of quarterback that needs to he has to see the throw and see the receiver open before he throws the ball, and that's been his biggest knock um, this year and all of his all of his college career. So you you want to see him improve on that. Hopefully, with, with coaching, he, he he can he can learn to go through his progressions more, read the defense, and and, and be able to pick up the blitz. But um, I mean, he's even with all of those knocks. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's got the best deep ball accuracy in this entire class. Um, graded by PFF. I mean, he, we, we talked about somebody that can, we like somebody that can throw the ball down the field. Justin Fields pushes the ball down the field and he does it accurately. So, I mean, that's, that's real, that's big time for me. And I mean, when you look at his win rate and just all the intangibles that I talked on earlier, I mean, there's, there's not a box that, that Justin Fields in my mind doesn't check as a QB one and a tier one quarterback in this class. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I know there's some people that like to, like you said, they like to do the tiers. And I think that's very important because maybe landing spots and different things can maybe switch people within your actual rankings, but tiers kind of gives you that breakdown of when I need to shift to another position. So I'm really glad you made that point. So we hit on, you know, a little bit of Trevor Lawrence and some Justin Fields. Keep us going now in, in your tiers. Who's next after that? You brought up Zach Wilson a little bit, have him in, in a tier with a couple of these guys. Yeah, so for me, my, my, my tier two, and this is going to be controversial, and I already know it has, but I've I've taken the heat this far, so I'm going to keep it rolling because I like to take crap, apparently. I'm a glutton for punishment. But for tier tier two for me is it, it's a mix between three guys. Um, it, it's Mac Jones, it's Trey Lance, and it's Zach Wilson. Um, for me, you know, everybody loves Trey Lance. They love his upside and his potential um, ceiling-breaking um, quarterback play. I have him as my QB five in this class. I, I have Mac Jones as QB three. I have Zach Wilson as my QB four, and I have Trey Lance as my QB five. And there's there's some reasons for that. Um, when you look at Mac Jones, when you look at what he did with that Alabama roster, you know people want to say that he was on a stack team and he was just a game manager. Which, okay, okay, I can see where you're coming from, but I mean he has the best deep ball in all of college football, in my opinion. He, he 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 throws a really beautiful deep ball. He's accurate. And he had a really strong showing at the Senior Bowl this year. I mean, he was making throws across the field. I mean, you could easily see he's he was the best quarterback in all of Senior Bowl practices this week, and it wasn't particularly close. And he did all of this. He had he, he had over 4,000 yards and on, on, on an offense that just featured Javante Smith and Jalen Waddle for like three games. I mean, he didn't have the Devontae Smith – and the Jerry Judys and the Jalen Waddles all season that Tua Tagovailoa had, in my opinion, and he did more with an Alabama roster than Tua Tagovailoa did. 
and he had less less of playmakers than Tua Tagovailoa did. So I, I don't think he's much of a game manager. Me, I think he's a he's a straight up baller. And if he lands on a team that can that can really utilize his skill set and his, his passing ability, I think he could be a great quarterback. Now, now your one knock on him is obviously going to be his rushing upside. He's a statue. He's not going to move around in the pocket. And he hasn't been blitzed. You know, he hasn't seen much pressure in college. So you want to see how he does against that. But I think the wheels are up for Mac Jones. Um, Zach Wilson, I mean, there's nothing not to like about this kid. He has a huge ceiling. Him, him and Trey Lance have the biggest ceilings in, in this draft class. The way Zach Wilson, he has mobility, but the way he throws off platform, I mean, launches the ball 50 yards downfield off a of back foot and just drops it into your receiver's bread basket. I mean, it's a thing of beauty. I mean, you can't not watch Zach Wilson's highlights and not fall in love with the kid. I mean, he does he, – he puts on a show whenever he's playing, and he had probably the biggest rise in stock out of anybody. I mean, he wasn't even hardly going in late C2C rounds um, last year because of because of injuries and stuff last season. You know, people weren't paying attention to him, but now he's a tier – he's a uh, – First round quarterback in this in this upcoming rookie draft. So love to see that tier that uh that rise in his stock. Um, when you come to Trey Lance, well, I'm gonna get to it. I know I'm going long winded, so I'm gonna try and wrap it up. But when you come to Trey Lance, I mean, I think he's he he's got potential, but I think he has the biggest bust potential in this entire class. I mean, when you look at him, he he's got incredible arm talent. He's got rushing upside, but when you look at him, I mean, his accuracy is a real concern for me. Um, his one game showing this year. When you look at what he did, probably he shouldn't he shouldn't have signed himself up for that game because now now we got some question marks of what he did and his one game showing in college. Um, he 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 was overthrowing receivers in the end zone. He was missing wide open receivers several times. I, mean, I think he I think he started the game with seven or eight incompletions. So I mean, you don't like to see that from a top quarterback prospect. He's a guy that you're not going to get immediately immediate upside out of, in my opinion. I think he's going to have to sit a year behind somebody. And then could potentially come in and smash, but he he he's somebody that's a, that I'm gonna take a wait and see approach on. Yeah, so it's it's funny because Trey is the most polarizing prospect in this entire draft, and I don't think that can even be debated. I think the Central Arkansas game he started five for thirteen or something along those lines. He was putrid. Like I watched that film last night, and I had to go watch it again. And then after I watched it a second time, I had to make myself feel better, so I watched Jamar Chase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's how bad I felt about it. I was like, oh, I need a reset. Um, so, yeah, Trey Lance, big arm, but I saw a lot of overthrows. I, I don't know necessarily what happens. Could have been jitters, could have been rust, could have been whatever. 2019, it looked like a different player, but that still was very concerning to me. Um, Zach Wilson, everything you want as far as arm, exactly what you said. And it's really funny that we're just kind of glossing over Trevor Lawrence <laughs> like he doesn't even exist because he's so good. <laughs> um, so we just have to kind of say Trevor Lawrence is good and he's the one on one. I will I will say about Trevor Lawrence, if I'm having to be real nitpicky and go ahead. It, it, I mean this this is super nitpicky. Um, but but for me, his deep ball accuracy isn't the best. Um he, he has a tendency, while he has this huge cannon arm, he has a tendency to overthrow receivers down the field. So if I'm being nitpicky about one aspect of his game, it's that. He's still a generational prospect in my mind, and he's still the, the, the top quarterback in this class. I am a little worried, though, and I will say about all this labeling him as a generational prospect and the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck because I'm, I'm afraid that we're, we're almost setting him up to fail if he's not the best quarterback prospect we've seen in the last 15 years. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's a pretty good point. He's got a lot of pressure, but – He's not coming to Philly where the media is going to destroy him. He's going to be going to Jacksonville where it should be laid back. They have a ton of cap space. Robbie and I have talked about this on previous shows. They have a lot. They're going to be able to get a lot of weapons around them. They have a lot of picks, a lot of assets. So they're going to be able to build that offense. So I'm a little bit less concerned about it there. And you know what? He's got Urban Meyer going there and things are looking on the up in Jacksonville. So I don't think it's going to be like a, you know, David Carr situation where he's ruined within the first year. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad we're putting a little bit of time towards Trevor Lawrence. I know some people, you know, they talk about the rookie quarterbacks, and all you hear is Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So I, I definitely don't want to do that. But I'm glad you made that point, Matt, because we are labeling him as this best prospect since you know Andrew Luck or since Peyton Manning. And so you've seen in a lot of these superplex um, mocks or, or ADP. 
he's up there now. They're they're putting him in their top ten QBs. They're putting him. I've seen him above Russell Wilson. I've seen him kind of in that top seven rate above Joe Burrow, right right behind you know Herbert in that maybe six seven eight range. And this guy hasn't taken a snap, hasn't been drafted. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just curious. Do you see him if you're making a rankings right now? Do you see him? You know, with the, the longevity that you hopefully have with his his talent, um, are you putting him up uh, in that top ten QBs kind of right off the cuff? I mean, so for so for me, when you're looking at quarterbacks, he he's not coming into the league as a top five quarterback to me. Um, top ten, I can see. I, I would feel comfortable putting him as a top ten. But you look at the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I mean, you've got Patrick Mahomes, you've got Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson with, with his legs and a rushing ability. I mean, that's five quarterbacks right now that offer immediate, immediately higher production. Dak Prescott, if he actually comes back to the Cowboys, I don't think bring him back. <laughs> I, was, I was motioning for those who listen to the pod, I'm motioning to my cup that has a Dallas Cowboys logo, just trying to get these Eagle fans to give some respect I, to Dak. I thought I mean, he was just holding up a big pile of shit. So, I mean, <laughs> the fact that it was a cup, that's fine. I mean, you you, you got to put him over guys like Carson Wentz. Um, that one hurt to say. I don't like saying that. <laughs> oh, God. Easy, easy for me to say. Easy, easy for me to say, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just let you guys, let you guys have you that it. right now. You got it. Yeah. So one thing that I think Robbie was alluding to with Superflex and trading and whatnot, uh, people were preferring Alvin Kamara, or I'm sorry, Trevor Lawrence over Alvin Kamara, which to me is that's a 105 at a startup, like minimum. I think that's a bit much. Do you think uh, Kamara is worth Lawrence? Who do you think is more value? So, so I mean, Trevor Lawrence is on one hundred five in a startup right now. <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna start there. We're gonna digress from there. Um, I, I, think, I think that's crazy. What I can understand for that is I think a lot of people are looking at it this way. Um, Trevor Lawrence, if he hits and he's the prospect that we think he is, you've got fifteen to twenty years out of that player. How many more years do you have out of an RB one and Alvin Kamara? Where I mean, I, I think I think you're trading you're trading years in that. A little more than, than you're looking at a startup potential or startup draft capital in my mind. Yeah, no, I, I get you there. Uh, so, how about we go on to next question? There, out of this group, who do you think can make a Justin Herbert like impact? I'm eliminating Trevor Lawrence because it'll be the the 101. I think I know your answer based on what you said earlier, um, but it, it's going to be depending on landing spot, which we'll get into in a little bit. Who do you think can make that jump there? Yeah, so so for me, I mean, I I love Mac Jones. I don't think he can have that kind of that kind of impact right away. Uh, I really like Justin Fields to come in and have a much bigger impact than a lot of people are thinking he's going to. I mean, you look at Justin Herbert's um, career arc from from last season and the year before in college when he chose to go back to school, and he, he was a lot of guys number one quarterback in the class before he decided to go back to Oregon. And a lot of guys forgot about him and started nicking some of his game tape and started dropping them down their rookie boards. And I think that same situation is what we see in Justin Fields. You know, Justin Fields is is one of those guys that he has the, these intangibles and the, these things that he does on the football field that you just can't coach a kid. I mean, his deep ball accuracy, his mobility, his rushing into his rushing upside. I mean, all these things that he has are going to provide immediately QB one value to me and and guys are continuing to drop them in their ranks over guys like I've talked about Zach Wilson just because of his recent performances in the national championship game and later on in the season. Um, for, for me, I, I think that's a little silly. You know, Justin Fields is still a phenomenal prospect, and I think we could still see the, the Justin Herbert-type ascension from him, you know, in the same way that Justin Herbert was a guy that everybody started dinging in the rankings and propelled up. I think Justin Fields is another guy that people are dinging in the rankings and, and dropping down for other sexier – um, sexier names in the Twitter community that could, that could rise up draft boards and show why he's the QB two in this class. I wish I could um, disagree with you, but I I don't. <laughs> Robbie, do you agree with him? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because Matt Matt said it at the beginning when we started talking about these three players. They're so interesting to to compare because you have a Mac Jones who has played with 
first round NFL talent, right? Like we're talking about Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle for, for a little bit, right? And, and Najee Harris. And then on the flip side, you have Trey Lance, who is didn't play a ton this this last year, but 2019 tape, we're talking about FCS level. And so it's so tough to compare them when they're just at two opposite ends of what you're doing. And you can even throw in Zach Wilson right there with BYU, right? Like they played close to Carolina, who is way above their normal talent level. And that's probably one of his tougher games and what a game that was. But I'm, I'm curious, Matt, how you kind of dissect, because we've seen the tools that, that Trey Lance has, but we've seen it at a, such a lower level versus Mac Jones. We've seen how he's able, and, and you've, been really good to not use the term game manager, but how he doesn't have to do it all, right? Like he can put put the ball in a spot and he does it really well, but Devontae is going to go and get it. Like he, he can give it to Najee Harris, a little dump, and Najee Harris is going to – he's going to make plays and score, um, you know, a, a lot of touchdowns that way. So how do you kind of – and this is kind of an open-ended question. I don't know how you're going to take it, but how do you how do you compare two different levels of quarterbacks and then you put them in the same group? It, it, they're just so tough to rank, I feel like. So, so level of competition, I mean, play, plays a factor, obviously. I mean, if you're playing against SEC quarterbacks, those quarterbacks are a whole lot tougher at defending the ball than, than your run-of-the-mill guys that Trey Lance and Zach Wilson are playing against. At the same time, for me, though, I mean, if you're the, the throws don't change and your abilities don't change no matter where you're playing. If you're playing in FCS or if you're playing in FBS, the throw – I mean, what you can do with the football doesn't change. I mean – if you're accurate in, in, in FCS or FBS, you're still an accurate quarterback. If you can hit the back th- shoulder throws at, at the FCS level, I mean, you're still going to be able to hit those back shoulder throws if they're there at the FBS level. I mean, in, in my eyes, I'm, I'm looking for much less about who you're playing, and I'm looking for specific traits when I'm watching these guys. And that goes that goes along with everybody, wide receiver, running back, tight end. I'm looking for specific traits that I think are going to set you apart at the next level. And, I mean, you can't deny the traits that, that Trey Lance has. I mean, he has special arm talent that, that that sets him above. If he can get the right coaching with – I mean, Tom talked about footwork and how, how these guys go to the NFL and their footwork's improved. I think that's something that Trey Lance desperately needs to improve his footwork, driving through the ball. That can improve a lot of his accuracy. But if he can get the right coaching and, as I said, sit behind, you know, a, a guy for a year – if he can go behind, I mean, as gross as it sounds, like Chicago and sit behind Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky, yuck, <laughs> for for another year and get coaching for a year, that would be a great spot for him. If he could go to the 49ers, sit behind Jimmy G for another year, learning that Shanahan offense and, and get coached, I think he's a guy that, it, that if he can get a year of coaching and not have to be thrust into, into a starting situation immediately, I mean, he has all the tools to succeed. Don't you ruin my Zach Wilson to San Francisco landing spot, okay? I think he is a perfect marriage with Kyle Shanahan. Don't you ruin that, Matt? Well, I, I guess if it happens, we can we can say archive this show, and you can come back and punch me <laughs> over the face over Twitter or something. <laughs> yeah, let's Beautiful. just meet up, and he can punch you in the face. I'll 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 record it on the phone or something like that. That'll be that'll be fun. <laughs> Um, it won't hurt, Matt. Look at him. He's a Cowboys fan. He's got like painted fingernails and stuff. It'll be fine. Um, does the lack of 2020 tape from Trey Lance concern you at all? I'm going to answer that question with a question. <laughs> does, Go ahead. The lack, does the lack of 2020 tape on Jamar Chase concern you? No, that's a good point. I hate your face. Yeah, no, that no, that that's a really good point. Yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying, but I mean, I I think that we have enough sample size to know what cut of quarterback Trey Lance is. Um, I, I think this was a this was a different year, um, albeit all together anyway. I mean, you had COVID opt outs, you had games that weren't even playing. I mean, the, the the college football season was so weird this year anyway. I'm not too concerned with him taking a year off of football because there's some other guys that took a year off and their stock's doing just fine. And every mock draft I've seen, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson are still top first-round picks. So I don't think the NFL circles are worried about it. If the NFL circles aren't worried about it, they're going to still invest high-round draft capital in them. I'm not concerned about wasting a first-round rookie pick on them. Very good point. I didn't even think about it because of my uh, bias in whatever. I just saw Trey Lance and his 2020 tape and was just like, oh, my God, no. Please don't do this to me. And it concerned me. So you kind of talked me off a little bit of a ledge there. So 
thank you for doing so. Um, all right, so assuming they are the projected starter once they're drafted, what is a landing spot that would instantly make you like decrease someone's value? Now we're talking about just they're going to be the projected starter. It doesn't matter, like Jets, whatever. Go. <clears throat> Man. <laughs> would, you, would you like to give me to give you mine? You can give me and yours. Yeah, well, I'll take. All right, so mine is New England because they have nothing around them. Nothing. No offensive weaponry. It's Damian Harris. Hello. And, like, the, you're seeing Mac Jones constantly, like, mocked there and everything, and I'm like, oh, geez. And they say, oh, he's a pocket passer. He'll be fine. He has nobody to throw to, though. So the lack of weapons just immediately concerns me, and the team isn't that good. Sure, they have Belichick, but that's concerning to me. So it's one of those things where I'm just – if somebody goes to New England, I'm probably going to drop them out of this group to fifth. And I vowed not to necessarily dwell on landing spot as like a New Year's resolution, so so to speak. But if someone goes to a spot like that, I can't, I can't not like ding them a bit. Yeah, that's fair. I can, I can, I can see that for sure. I mean, the Jets are obviously not an attractive spot. I mean, the Jets are the Jets, and I, I don't want a quarterback to to go there anyway. I think an under the radar one that that I'm not too pumped about that you're seeing get mocked a quarterback a lot of times are the Atlanta Falcons. And for me, I just I think that whole front office is on fire right now. It, it, it is a hot garbage fire. I mean, they've got a, a great wide receiver in Calvin Ridley. They've got an aging wide receiver who can't stay healthy in Julio Jones. They've got no running backs that I'm remotely interested in. I mean, I don't think that's a sexy a quarterback landing spot as a lot of people are thinking it's going to be. So – that being said, we know that Trey Lance probably once a year. We need we we think he needs a year to sit. So if Trey Lance winds up in Atlanta, is that a good spot or a bad spot? Um, if they're fixing the front office and, and bringing in bringing in new guys, I mean, I think that's a great spot. If they can surround him with talent and coach him up, I think that's a great spot. I just I'm I'm going to try not to will the uh, the 49ers into drafting Trey Lance so Robbie doesn't punch me in the face. But <laughs> I, I, I'm seeing one spot that I really like that I'm seeing Trey Lance go a lot is the Carolina Panthers. And I'm going to get some homerism a little bit. I live in Carolina. I'd love to be able to watch Trey Lance on Sundays. But outside of that, I mean, you're looking at that coaching staff, the pieces that they would surround him with. I mean, you got Teddy Bridgewater, who, who's your prototypical – bridge quarterback no pun intended so i mean Look at I, you I, with words <laughs> I, I love I, I would love that landing spot for trey lance personally i would love that landing spot for any quarterback tell you the truth like love it yeah and and, and i i think that's a an interesting one I, I know we've hit on this before with with trey lance kind of needing that year matt do you see anybody else in this this top five um that would that would need that year to, to kind of settle in, not saying that they have to be great right out of the, out of the gate, but when we talk about maybe the rawness of, of Trey Lance and how he needs to develop, is there anybody else where you're kind of like, man, I'd like him to sit maybe half the year or a little bit, wait and, and have him just kind of figure it out a little bit more. Is there a guy that's maybe second on that list that you, that you want to see wait a little bit? So for me, Zach Wilson is another one on that list. Um, he, he's, he's the Twitter darling. A lot of guys love him, but he's got some flaws in his tape for sure. Um, one, one guy that we haven't had on this entire show that I really think needs a year to sit is Florida's Kyle Trask. Um, he had a great season. Um, I was, I was one of the guys on Twitter that was hyping him up all season and his last game without, without his weapons, Kadarius, Tony, Kyle Pitts, he had nobody to throw the ball to his chemistry was out of whack and he was exposed in the game. So I really think, I mean, he's got, this was his first year starting since high school. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't seen starting reps since high school. And this, I mean, this is the first year that he got it. So I really think he needs a year before he's going to go into the NFL and lead a team. He needs to sit a year and learn, work on some fundamental stuff. Cause I mean, in my opinion, he's not ready yet. He was the backup to the Eric King, I believe in Miami. Right. I, I believe so, but I'm, I'm not, don't quote me on that. Cause I'm not entirely That's, sure. That's what you Hashtag Debbie knowledge right there. I think that's I think that's true. How about that stuff? Boom. At Debbie 
in, at infidel Debbie at Debbie infidel is that is that sure Debbie infidel I think by the way I think it might be time to change the dynasty infidel handle I don't I don't know <laughs> ooh, ooh, breaking news we might get breaking we might get a little spicy I, I don't I don't know I had to, yeah. I had to do it I'm on so many pods I, I'm passing myself around like a five dollar hooker that I, I had to I had to change I had to change my handle it's brand five dollar hookers in North Carolina they have no teeth it's not good. You have teeth, so it works out. So it's good. I'm at least seven dollars. Yeah, Matt. I think it's I think it's branding, and I think you should actually go at Devi Harlot. I think that would be a good one because it's like kind of classy with it, but I, I get around a little bit. Oh, that's nice. I like it. But hey, Matt. So I really like that that transition that you hit to kind of these next quarterbacks. It's it's almost fair to probably put Kyle Trask in it in his own middle bridge tier he's kind of that bridge between the top five and then the rest of the guys you kind of hit on him talk about some of these other guys and please feel free to hit a name if i if i don't say it but you know jamie newman sam ellinger kellen mond ian book who are, who are some of these other guys that you like and maybe pick a sleeper of, of who's your favorite out of that group um so so for me kyle trask you're, you're absolutely right he's in a tier by himself and the, just kind of the, the bridge quarterback to these next guys um for for me, if I'm picking a guy that that I love as a sleeper and a guy that I really think could could show a lot of guy, a lot of people, you know, something is Texas A&M's Kellen Mond. I mean, when you look at what he does in college, he just checks he checks a lot of boxes for NFL scouts. I mean, winning football games, passing yards, passing touchdowns, pass, inter, touchdown interception ratio. Um, he doesn't have the sexiest stats, but he just does a lot of things well. And he he was another one that showed up really well at the senior bowl this year. He, he he impressed a lot of people and he had a really nice week of practices. So, I mean, he, for me, he's going to be a round three to round four guy. And Tom, I'm going to throw up when I say this, man, I can't even get out of my chest for a second. Go ahead. I, think, I already know what it is. I think, I think he could have a Dak Prescott, like so coming Dak Prescott, like archetype. Oh man. I'm going to throw up. I like that. I like so, it. so hold on a second. I need to talk about this. Um, because I've seen comps to Dak Prescott from Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Kellen Mond. Dak Prescott's at the point where he's literally a comp model. It's a fourth-round pick, and we have nothing with Carson Wentz. <laughs> it's got to mean he's good, right? If everyone's comping him to him, he's this guy yeah, that's going to all for you. Fantasy uh, darling that you can get a little bit later in your drafts that, I mean, that's gotta be a good thing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, take a shot on him late, especially in super flex. You're going to be able to get him in like the third round or so, especially in de- depending on landing spot. Um, that's, that's how you got to go there. But that's, it's, it's, it's sickening because I was thinking about it today and I'm looking at comp sizes and athletic profile and how they throw the ball you know, some of these quarterbacks are more apt to run and get, you know, get out of the pocket. They they read once and then they go. And I'm like, God damn it. This is, I feel like this is Dak Prescott all over again coming to Ole Miss. And he falls and he falls and he falls. <laughs> and he's good. He's really, and he's basically the last quarterback standing out of that yeah. draft class. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good thing to talk about, Matt. What, what do you think about comps? Like, do you do comps? Are you afraid of them? Because I think they sometimes get a bad stereotype because you're saying, hey, this is what this player could be. When in actuality, when used right, I think it's just saying this is type of that type of play style that this player has, not saying that this is their ceiling or floor, but this is a similar type of player. Do you use comps at all? Do you stay away from them? What's, what's your deal with them? So I, I'm not against comps by any means. I mean, I, for, for guys that are good at comps, and I mean, I can understand their usefulness, it's – you're, you're not comping them and you're not saying this player is going to be player X. You're saying they could have the same career trajectory and their play styles are similar. So I get that. I just try to avoid avoid making comps because I, I don't want to be the guy that says that Carson Wentz is the next coming of Peyton Manning and all of a sudden I'm punching myself in the face because Carson Wentz is a team ruiner. Ha- hashtag Eagles problems. <laughs> Do you get punched in the face a lot? Because I feel like we've talked about this a lot. Dude, I worked. I worked 
the jail. So, I mean, that's the analogy that I have. I, I got in fights a lot. <laughs> no, I, I work in jail too. I don't get punched in the face. I just rip my knee to shreds when I tackle people. So, I mean, yeah, I, I like to do like a mixture of comps, by the way. I used to, I usually like to, to comp players to, to two different players because of the styles. Um, but yeah, you made me lose my train of thought and I hate your face. So <laughs> Robbie, go ahead. For, for me though, I mean, that that's, that's the last guy that I'm interested in. I mean, you look at guys like Sam Ellinger, he's a running back that plays quarterback. He can't throw the ball and I'm not interested in him for a quarterback position. No. Ian book. I mean, he, he's a late round quarterback that I don't think provides much value to your team. So, I mean, when you get past, Honestly, when you get past guys like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, I mean, that that's five good guys right there. I'm not particularly concerned with the rest of them because, I mean, how often do you have seven or eight quarterbacks in a draft class? I mean, you're, you're looking at abnormalities there anyway. I just – I don't see a way that more than – I mean, you're probably looking at if you're lucky, three or four of these guys are going to hit. So, yeah, somebody, think- somebody that we've talked about right now is going to end up hitting. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. The the, the later round quarterbacks are, are always tough to pin, and again, GMs are letting them fall, so they're going to be tough for us too. So, um, going back to that, as far as like GMs and everything, what's the under most underrated or overrated attribute that draft people, draft Knicks in general, talk about in regards to the quarterback position? Wait, attribute or attribute? Let's just get that straight. Listen, I'm from fucking New Jersey, okay? I'm right outside of Philadelphia. If you want to give me a fucking Eng- English lesson, let's go over to the Liberty fucking Bell, and I'll fucking ring it for you, just like your head. Let's go. <laughs> I'm trying to contribute to your grammar with the word attribute. Yeah, so no, I know what it is. Attribute, attribute, whatever. We're saying the same word. Matt, go. Words, talk them. So, so for me, I think a real underrated aspect of a quarterback's tape is their mental processing speed, the, the way they read the defense and how quickly they're able to see, okay, where are the safeties lining up at? Where are these linebackers shifting back into coverage? And where is my hot route? And where is my open receiver in this coverage? And you're, all of your great quarterbacks are able to read a defense, manipulate it quickly, um, look off defenders with their eyes and, and make quick decisions. I mean, quick decision-making process is something that doesn't get talked about a lot when scouting quarterbacks, but it's probably one of the most important things when, when scouting them. Yeah, and I think that's what sets Trevor Lawrence apart from everybody and why they are throwing the word generational quarterback away is because he can process everything, especially against the blitz, um, so quickly. Like, he's just – amazing at that so um when you have a read initial read and okay i'm gonna check down and go over here go over here it's not that easy and we're watching tv and we're like why the fuck don't you go over to the guy over there on the right side that's because he's the third goddamn read um and trevor lawrence just he does it like that so and just, and just hitting on that too hitting on that too i mean we're, we're we want to be couch coaches and couch gms and we're analyzing all this stuff on, on replays on a tv we're not doing it with five guys blitzing yes or your, your pocket collapsing right looking over offensive linemen's heads i mean it, it it's a different ball game when you're having to do it live right <laughs> and, and that's another that. <laughs> that's another thing i think i think poise and not panicking getting out of the pocket is a constantly underrated thing you see guys that want to just as soon as you you see any pressure you saw we can use carson winston and as a uh, an example here as soon as he got pressure he was basically just trying to roll and move out of the pocket or he's trying to move up and there's nowhere to go and he's feeling ghosts and everything. And that's a big part to being a successful quarterback because you're not going to be accurate if you think you have a guy on your back all the time. So I think poison the pocket's a big one that, that goes kind of uh, – it's it's an underrated thing there. Yeah, and I think when you, when you talk about traits that, that can be underrated, like, like what you just said, Matt – I also think there's traits that are probably overrated. I know that that I've kind of talked about some of that when talking running backs with, with some of my my inner squad that we talk about rookie running backs with. There's some that I feel like don't matter quite as much that people really hit on. Um, is there something with quarterbacks where everyone says, oh, you know, he doesn't do X really well, where you're like, that really doesn't matter for, for me, maybe in terms of, of quarterbacking or maybe just for fantasy in general. Is there a certain trait that a lot of people kind of hit on that you're just like, and that, that's not really a big deal. Um, 
so so for me, I I, I think the, the the flip side of this is what what Tom talked about. I'm going to take this. I'm going to flip it around a little bit. I'm not going to answer the question that you that you originally asked, but I'm going to go along the lines of that. Um, a lot of people talk about accuracy and how you can improve accuracy in footwork and how, you know, if, if you're not, if you don't have good footwork and, and whatnot in the pocket, you get under a good coach and you can teach that. That's not something to worry about. I think that's something that you really need to be paying attention to when you're scouting films. I mean, what's their footwork like? Are they driving through their throws? Are, are they accurate? Because, I mean, that, that's a concerning aspect of a game for me if you're not doing that well at the college level. Yeah, we do like our quarterbacks to be accurate. You know, I'm glad how you, you pointed out at the beginning of the show that, you know, Josh Allen is, is more of that outlier. We don't normally see somebody who completed only 55-ish, you know, 58% of their passes in college all of a sudden take that leap, you know, in their second or third year and they become, you know, an NFL uh, superstar. So I think that's a, a really good take. And, and one other person, we kind of hit on him a little bit, but I wanted to hear your takes on him because I think this kind of translate right right into him. Jamie Newman, we talk about someone who whose accuracy is kind of all over the place, but it's definitely a dual threat. You might have a high upside with him. I know you've had some takes on Jamie Newman, but maybe not everyone has heard him. What are your thoughts there um, on his maybe upside and, and some things that you think he just might not be able to do at the NFL level? So for me, Jamie Newman is a guy that saw his stock dramatically decrease after a terrible showing at the Senior Bowl this week. Um, he, he had a good start, but he really started showing some issues with his accuracy. I mean, I've, I've thrown that word around a lot, but it's so important when scouting quarterbacks. His turnovers and his just processing of the game and practices this week, he, he wasn't processing as fast as you'd like to see him, and turnovers were the direct impact of that. I mean, protecting the ball is, is important. If you're not able to protect the ball, coaches aren't going to trust you with, with – with, with game winning situations. I mean, just, you can, you can go down all these roads where you're labeled a game manager. You don't, you don't take the shots, all, all this kind of stuff. So protecting the ball was super important. I think for me, Jamie Newman, he, he was a one hit wonder guy. He was a guy that had a great one season, but you know, we talked about outliers. I think he's another one of those outliers that if you go back and look at the stats, you're going to end up drafting him. And if you don't watch the film, you don't see that he's got some flaws to his game. He doesn't throw the ball where he needs to a whole lot of the times. His uh his ball placement is not great a lot of the times. And I think he he had a receiver in Sage Surratt that, that's going to get decent draft capital that was bailing him out more than a lot of people think. I mean, we said that Sage Surratt was a great contested catch receiver. That's because Jamie Newman wasn't putting the ball where it needed to be. So, I mean, that that that's something where I, I'm just not going to have any Jamie Newman on my fantasy rosters this year because somebody's going to love him a whole lot more than I'm comfortable spending draft capital on him. Yeah, no. All right. So uh, to put a bow on this pig, let's just go ahead and we're going to play a little game word association. I'm going to say a prospect. I want you to say one word to describe them. All right. Do you understand? I understand. Trevor Lawrence. Special. Justin Fields. Dynamic. Zach Wilson. Mormon. Okay. Oh, moving Mormon. On. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know with him. <laughs> Come on, man. Pick one. <laughs> I'd say Moxie, right? That, that, yeah, that Moxie, be, Moxie's a good one. Yeah. That might be cliche because that's what I, was, that's what I was trying to think of. I just couldn't put a word to it because I'm slow or something. <laughs> it's all right. You're from North Carolina. I lived down there for a little bit. It's all right. I understand. All right. Trey Lance. Bust. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Add about another 20 minutes to this pod. Let's go. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Second one now. God damn. Ooh, ooh. All right. Mac Jones. Underrated. All right. What have I what have you said that to me? Say Mac Jones to me. Mac Jones. Andy Dalton. See, Andy Dalton was good though. He was <laughs> yeah, he had some good, he had some good years. <laughs> All right. So you so Trey Lance bust. I think wow. I think. I think for me, if you're looking at at guys that are most likely to, to bust out in this draft class, he's the one that jumps out to me. I mean, he he he's dynamic, and the sky's the limit for the kid. But he also does some things that you don't like to see out of the quarterback position that I think he could either hit and be one of the best quarterbacks in this draft class, or he could fall out and no one ever talks about him again. I mean, you look at his level of competition, he could easily get in the NFL, and corners are faster, safeties are faster, and – 
if he's already missing throws and, and not putting the ball in, in the correct windows in college, I'm worried about him doing that with more physical quarterbacks and fast, faster safeties over the top. So I think he has the, the easiest potential to bust out of all these guys. And I, I tend to agree with you. And I had a question in the, in there about busts, but uh, when you were talking about Trey Lance, you said that, all right, well, we're good. We know that, but I didn't realize that that would be the one word description about Trey Lance because that's bold. My, my friend. Look, man, go big or go home. I, I, I'm already taking heat on, on Twitter for some of my other rankings, so why not just add to the pile, right? <laughs> Might as well. I want to be different, man. That's how, that's how I – that's how – You just want to be right. Let's be serious. It's not about being different. It's about being right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. No, yeah. if, I, I just I'm – not, I'm not afraid. And, I mean, this is, this is getting off, off topic, but I'm not afraid to – have different opinions than the consensus if I'm seeing things on tape that I don't like. I mean, I'm a big tape grinder. I love to watch tape. And if I see something on tape that I don't particularly like, I'm going to point that out. And, I mean, I don't think just because you look at stats and he's got a great analytical profile and he's got some intangibles that you like, I think the tape's still a big factor. And I've I've got some concerns when I watch his tape. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's that's great how you put it where – you, you don't want to always fall in consensus. Not saying you should be different just for the fact, like there's the hot takes people that are literally just putting out the hot takes just to be different, right? No, I think when you have an opinion, you can back it up and it's not the same as consensus. That, that A, you're standing out, but B, you have a reason why you're standing out. I think that's important because when we all get in this consensus mode and we're like, this is the guy, this is the guy, you know, you, you get Nikhil Harry as that 101 wide receiver over a DK Metcalf. And I'm not saying Nikhil Harry can't turn it around, but if everyone's saying, oh, what about that that cone drill by DK Metcalf, that cone drill, that cone drill, you know, and you just hear that over and over and you're not, well, maybe that doesn't matter for me. You know, you might miss out on, on one of those great future wide receivers. So I really like how you how you brought that up. Look, it's, it's not as bad as Elijah Holyfield's 40, Tom. I think he's still running that. Yeah, he is. Who is that tight end? Who is that tight end that that ran worse than linemen uh, two Dude, years it like ago? A, it was like a four eight nine. <laughs> I remember. Was it Fumagalli? No, 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 no. This is a guy that he didn't get drafted. Like he was a the, a talk of like maybe a top four or five guy, and they went out and ran like a four nine, and he just just fell. Oh, I don't know what you're talking ago. about. Starts with a P or a B, I think, but we're not going to get there because I, you know, the Google and whatnot. Yeah. That's all right. You know, we, we went big. We all did, Matt. I love that, that hot take at the end um, with Trey Lance. And now it is time to go home. We are getting close to that hour mark. Matt, how will you tell all the people, you know, where to find you, your, your 15 different sites and, and some things that you're working on? So, yeah, if you guys can find me on, we talked about the newly rebranded. I'm at Debbie Matt on Twitter now. So you guys can find me at Debbie Matt. I'm always happy to answer questions. Um, just shoot, shoot t- trade questions, anything like that. I mean, I'm always happy to interact with you guys. My rankings are up on Dynasty Nerds, and I've got Debbie rankings up on the Fantasy Authority. Um, you guys can find some of my articles. I- I'm writing some rookie prospect articles on Dynasty Nerds. I've got a Kenneth Gainwell coming out soon, and I've also got a Kenneth Gainwell film up on the Fantasy Authority. If you haven't seen that, check that out. Um, I'm going to try and get some more prospect videos up on the Fantasy Authority. And I also do the Debbie Happy Hour. Uh, we just recently put out a podcast talking about 2023 running back. So if you want to, <laughs> if you, if you want to look at, look at some guys you're going to be drafting in a few years and you want to dive real deep into it, we got you covered there too. All right. Their lunch ladies are giving them chocolate milk for lunch, but Matt's got him covered. <laughs> when do you sleep? Uh, never is the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it will be never in, in, in a few months now. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Yeah. Only getting busier. Tom, what do you got? I have, uh, I'm really excited to talk running backs. I think next week we might be taking the week off uh, because Robbie's got a bachelor party going on. So that's going to be fun. And I'm going to go to the beach when it is snowing because that's what we do over here on the East Coast because we, we just, you know, we like to go to the beach, whatever. So after that, we are going to be going over some rookie wide receivers. And we are going to have – who are we going to have on, Robbie? Anybody good? Anybody good? I'm going to let you. You did all the legwork. Don't let me take the glory here. All right, so we're going to have Angelo, FF Angelo. I forget exactly what the the handle is there, so I'm probably fucking – We're going to have that down by by that episode. We're going to definitely – we're going to work on that, Tom. 
it's yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna have Angelo come on and he's gonna go over all of his wide receivers. Uh, love Angelo, all the work he puts out on Twitter and with his videos and everything. So we're pretty excited to dive into wide receivers and uh, we're gonna get going. And after that, we're gonna do running backs and some tight ends, and we are full on rookie season, baby. Yes, sir. We are pumped up. That will be Angelo FF at Angelo underscore fantasy. Just to just to make sure everybody knows. Uh, everyone knows Angelo. So that'll be really fun. We've been listening to him on some other podcasts. So pumped up about that. Matt, thank you for joining us. You guys all got the insights on these 2021 quarterbacks. Until then, From shore and down under, our right whale bore The captain called all hands and swore he take that whale and tow Soon may the whale man come to bring us guarantee